Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we will finish, we better finish the parak, uh, the second parak of Masechus Tainus. We will, Bezat Hashem, learn Daf Yud Tess. But yes, uh, Binyamin, uh, we're on the last pair of two dots uh, prior to the end of the parak. So let's get to it. We asked, we said in the Mishnah at the end, Ain Gozer and Tainus Al Sibu Betchila Bechamishi. I do want to have to say it's a Dafyomi coincidence. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Hanukkah is one of those days mentioned in what we call Megillus Tainus. We refer to Megillus Tainus as an ancient text. In fact, not only is it an ancient text, Andrew, it is the only text we have that was written down between the Nevim and Ksuvim and the Mishnayas. It predates the Mishnah. Now, why does it predate the Mishnah? Because you weren't supposed to write down Torah Shabbat you might recall, right? Rabbi Yehuda Nasi felt that they were going to lose the Torah Shabbat so out of desperation, I guess you could call it, right? We had to write down the Torah Shabbat in the form of the Mishnah that became the Gemara. But even before, morning, Barry, I was stalling for you, um, the, the, the Megillus Tainus of which we speak, Barry, it predates the Mishnah. It's the only thing that was written down after Tanakh and before the Mishnah because they didn't want to write down Torah Shabbat Peh, but the dates they didn't want to forget, right? So a calendar you can write. It was basically a calendar is what it was. It's a short, it's a short piece. It's not a giant thing. And it's, um, it's a calendar of days on which uh, special things. What was the only date that survived of all the dates written in Masechus Megillah, in, in Masechus Tainus? Um, Hanukkah. Those are the only days that, that we still observe. This is when Benjamin usually gets up. All right, so here we go. So it says, Okay, so that, that's the, the question. So now, the Mishnah had said that, in the two dots right before the, uh, the new parak, that if you already started a series of fasts, a big chiddish, that you're going to have to complete. So let's say you do Bahab. Right, so you did Monday, Thursday, and then the following Monday ends up being Rosh Chodesh, Hanukkah, or Purim. So Mishra said, you're going to have to possibly uh, complete the series of fasts, which will mean that you'll fast on Hanukkah or Purim, which we obviously normally don't do. But once you started a series of fasts, you should complete it. Um, and then there was a discussion, well, do you complete it all the way? We'll see, this is going to be Machlokas. Do you say the entire fast, or... When you are fasting, let's say, on Hanukkah, in order to complete the series of fasts, so do you fast most of the day, but then stop because it's Hanukkah and you really can't fast all the day, so you sort of split the difference, right? You fast most of the day, but then you have to eat in order to not really actually be fasting. Anyway, what constitutes the beginning of a series? That's what the Gemara asks. At what point do you say that you've started? Right? Says the Gemara, Rav Amar Shalosh, three fasts, and Rav Amar Achas, one fast. So this is my focus as to how many fast. So if it's the, does it have to be the third fast, or do you have only had to have fasted once in a series of three in order to obligate you right to continue to fast your series when it happens to fall out on Rosh Chodesh, Hanukkah, or Purim? So now the Mishnah, the Gemara says, "Amar Yudam Arav Zu Divrei Meir Shamar Mishum Rabban Gamliel Avachachamim Amar Misane Umashlin." Right, so. This idea is uh, a machlokas because the Mishnah had said, right? This is sort of uh, leaving a piece out, but the the Mishnah had said that you stop 
as we just sa- uh, said, before shkia, let's say you eat something, right? Or at some point in the day, you eat something, maybe at chatzos, right, as the Mishra says, at some point you eat something in order to not fast on Hanukkah and Purim. So like we said, you finish the series, but you have to stop a little bit early. So this is just Rabbi Huda Marav saying that that's only the position of Rav Gamliel. But the Chacham actually say that you fast completely. Okay, the question is, does this apply to all days? Let's see. So to finish off the parak, the halacha is that in fact you do complete the fast, and so were you to do a series of fasts, you would actually fast the entire day of Hanukkah. What's going on here? Tosfos halacha misanu mashlim perish harder the kapasa halacha misanu mashlim aravshchodesh kai diachanukah v'purim eni yochal isanos to yom mishtevesim chaksiv. That's only on Rosh Chodesh, Andrew, that you can. Uh, actually complete the fast. So if the Bahab, let's say, falls out on Rosh Chodesh, then you can, in fact, fast on Rosh Chodesh. But Hanukkah and Purim, you cannot fast, even according to the halacha, that you have to complete the fast, that would not apply to Hanukkah and Purim. Because on Hanukkah, Dafyomi coincidence, is a chiv of mishta v'simcha. Wow, that's Tosfos. The question of Purim, certainly it says, right, in the in Megillus Esther, it certainly says mishta and simcha. So there you go. So Barry points out the machlokas. This is the machlokas in the Shulchan Aruch. It's the machlokas in the Shulchan Aruch because, as Barry points out, on Purim, it explicitly says in the Megillah that there's a chiv of mishta v'simcha. So certainly Purim, you cannot fast. That's for sure. What about Hanukkah? Machlokas. The machlokas is because we know that in many ways Hanukkah is equated with Purim. So does that mean that we have a chiv of mishta v'simcha on Hanukkah? That's a machlokas in the Shulchan Aruch. Welcome to the Dafyomi coincidence. Uh, I don't want to take any chances. So you better have Mishnah V'Simcha every day. We better have a Mishnah V'Simcha tonight, right? Um, we're going to have Mishnah V'Simcha hopefully every day of Hanukkah just to, uh, just to fulfill the, the possibility that said that there is in fact, that's a machokis. There is in fact potentially a chi of Mishnah V'Simcha on Hanukkah, in which case, even if the Bahab series fell out of Hanukkah, you would not be, um, allowed to fast completely. Hadron Allah Sayyid Atanius Ketzad. And now, next parak. Here we go. Third parak. Filled with stories, but not yet. Start, yeah. Right, so Mishnah Bura, I guess, would be splitting the difference also, right? You have to go back to the Bach and Taz. You have to look in the, in the, in the tour, the, ori- you know, the original Mepharshim Shulchan Aruch before the Mishnah Bura to see the Machlokas. And then um, I haven't looked at this recently, but I would imagine if the Mishnah Bura says Ketzas with regards to Hanukkah, it's splitting the difference and reflecting that Machlokas. Okay, ta- Bach and Taz. Bless you, Andrew, and here we go. Seder Tanya Seilam. Oh. So now, what's the topic that we start with? We're going to end up with a lot of stories in the third parak, but the topic that we begin with is the idea that normally all of this discussion of the series of fasts and right, the ramping up with the fasts, all that has to do with rain, right? When we have a drought. Rahman uh, al However, sometimes you have right, a pandemic or some sort of Mishunadika calamity, right? Uh, whereby you have to realize that something is up right away. And in those unique circumstances, you get a emergency meeting and you start fasting and praying immediately. You don't wait, right, for it to develop over time. You get right to it. So let's get right to it, says the Mishnah. Everything we've talked about until now, was about 
you know, waiting for the first rain to fall. But let's say, you know, the crops are growing and they're neon green and you feel like this is Chernobyl and, and they're inedible. So that's a problem. So right away you're going to cry out. Right? In other words, you're not going to wait for a series of developments and you're not going to have the series of three and three and three. You start crying out right away. Or if you have like a real drought, like it rained, so that's good, but then it didn't rain for 40 straight days, that's a problem. Right away you're going to do it. That's called an affliction, that's called a famine. What about rain falls for the crop of a low so we see an interesting thing. You can't just have rain. Like in other words, if you see droplets, that's not a reason to stop being concerned. You have to have enough for the trees and for the crops and also for the cisterns because that's what you're using to drink water. If you don't have water, drinking water, it's a problem. So even when it does rain, if it's not raining enough, if it's not a significant impactful rain, then you're going to have a problem. And you're going to be Masri and Miyad. What about if you're in a town? So this is already, right, geographically, what are we talking about? If, if there's rain elsewhere, right, but there's not rain in the Maryland area, so then, so then you're going to have to, um, and you're going to have to daven right away. This is the Pasuk in Amos, in Amos, where we already had mentioned previously in this Masechta that it's a Klala. When you only have, right, rain on one city and another city has not going to rain, and one field will be rained upon. So we said already that this is sort of like a double curse because it's a tease. We, you know, it may be raining in one place, but it doesn't help you. You don't have drinking water. You're pro, you're in, you're in Gehak Tatar. So you have to, uh, still be Misane Umasriya. That says the Mishnah as we continue on your Testament. Alf, Osa, Ir, Misane Umasras, right? You have to be, uh, fasting. There's Machokas here, Rashi, Ran. Rashi says, Tachlis, if, if you're lacking, then, um, then which, which, uh, which area is going to be Masriya? So the Tanakama over here says, oh, so here. So let's say in Silver Spring it's raining, when Baltimore it's not. So Baltimore is going to fast and cry out. However, in, everywhere else, in Silver Spring, in all the areas where they do have rain, they see that there's a drought in Baltimore, so they're going to fast, right? As we've already discussed, fasting is a removal of happiness, right? Um, you know, Yitz uh, Topper was asking, he says, wait a minute, the tinus is easy. No, he's saying the praying is easy. He'd rather eat, right, uh, duggies and pray than fast. But that's the opposite of what we, we think, that it's a higher degree of crying out to Hashem to be masriya, right, to cry out to Hashem. Fasting is a removal of happiness. Crying out is an actual anguish, right? So fasting is the first line of defense. Be that as it may, so the outlying cities are going to fast, but they're not going to cry out. However, that was the Tanakhama, Rabbi Kiva Omer, Masrios Vilomisanos. Right? That they daven and they don't, and they don't fast. So the art school quoted a fascinating machlokas, um, a fascinating shot of the Ran here. Is it like Rosh Hashanah, where you cry out but you don't fast? Or is it like Yom Kippur, where you fast but you don't really cry out? I guess you do cry out, but uh, not, not in the same sense. I don't know. This is what I saw in the art scroll. The other interesting machlokas is that Rashi is saying Tachlis. The surrounding areas are going to fast because they're going to be affected. If there's a drought in Baltimore, you better believe that um, 
right, that the that Shalom's in Silver Spring is also not going to get some, uh, all of their deliveries. So it's going to technically affect them. As opposed to the run that says, no, then Silver Spring, they're going to be what? Sympathetic. It's a sympathy thing. That you can't just have your Rachenu Kol Beis Yisrael in Baltimore starving and you're not going to have any acknowledgement in Silver Spring. That's inappropriate. And so either out of sympathy or out of pragmatic, selfish concern, you're going to fast in the surrounding areas or cry out in the surrounding areas, depending who you hold like over here. Um, and whereas in Baltimore, you're going to both fast and cry out. Okay. Now, says, continues the mission of Chain, ear, Shiyeshba, Dever, Oma, Pales, right? So Dever is pestilence. People are dying out. Or, Mapolis' buildings are collapsing. Also, here, Misano, Misras. That city is going to have to fast and cry out. And everywhere around, it's going to either be, as the Tanakhama says, that you're going to fast and not cry out, or Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva is going to say that you're going to cry out and not fast. What's pestilence? The Mishnah asks. It's a famous Rabbi Orlatsky question. What is pestilence? Ezu Dever asks the Mishnah. So the Mishnah discusses. It's a ratio, right? Sometimes you say we're going to have a series of Tehillim for calamities that have befallen us recently. So, at, you know, sometimes I mean, a certain amount of people dying and, 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 and being born is natural. But when it seems unnatural, what's the ratio? 500 uh, men on foot, you could say 500. That's like a way of determining a population. It's not exactly including women and children, and old people and all that. Maybe let's say men from 20 to 60 for every 500 of those. In the city, if three people die, Yotzim men and Gimel Mesim, that's not a good ratio. That sounds like a sort of plague. If it's three consecutive days. That's considered pestilence. Right? But if it's less than that, then that's just natural. And it's not considered dever. It's not considered a calamity. Okay? That's not considered a pandemic, if you will. So now, there's certain calamities where you're going to fast... Uh, and also, right, uh, cry out, even if it's not happening where you are, um, presumably because it could affect you as well, right? If somebody eats a bat in China, you, you should probably already start, you know, being concerned, as follows. Alashidafon, they have wind blasts ruining the grain. Alayirakon, that's when everything's getting yellowed. Halayarbev al-chasil, two types of locusts. And Arbe and chasil, two types of locusts. You know, if they're, if they're somewhere, then they're coming for you. You could rest assured, and therefore you should already start davening. Alachaya ra, right, if you have some sort of beast attack. Valacherev, if there's a war. Masrin aleha mipneshi makameha-leches. That's the point, right? You're gonna cry out because that is a, Moshe, a movable thing. That's going to be something that's going to spread. Okay, story time. The Skanim in Yerushalayim, we're living in the Sanhedrin, but one guy lives in Petach Tikva, one guy lives in, right, Kfar Saba, but they all go and they say, we're going to have to have a Tainus in their respective cities where they came from. Where was the calamity taking place? Al Shanira, Kimlopi, Tonor, Shidafon, Be'ashkelon. Well, it was only Kimlopli Tanur, right? There was like a square, ama by ama, whatever, wind blast damage on the grain in the southwest corner of Eretz Yisrael. And that was enough because once you see that, that's a sign of Shidafon that could affect us. And so even in, right, Nahariya, they were already davening for it. Right? There were wolves that ate 
you know, there was, looked like there was going to be a wolf attack. They ate two babies on Transjordan. You don't even need to have to, to, to go through the calamity of them eating the babies. Just by seeing the wolves, if you see a couple of wolves, there could be a wolf attack. It's already time to start davening. Fine. Now the mission is going to go over a section where some it's of things where they're, they're so dire that even on Shabbos and Yantav you're going to be davening. Right? Obviously, if you're besieged, by hostile forces, or Nahar, or you have a swelling river, you have a ship out at sea, so everyone's going to daven. It's going to be, right, we see sympathy. Everyone, we're concerned about every member uh, on that ship, and therefore we're all going to daven. We can't call out in actual prayer. We call for assistance. That's uh, not entirely clear what it, what it means, because the issue is on Shabbos, you're not really allowed to call out in prayer on Shabbos. So maybe he means, one, one possibility is that it means that you're asking for it privately but not publicly. Another uh, possibility is that it's not really the typical prayer, but you're asking for, some, for Hashem for, to help you generally. It's not exactly clear what Yossi means, but those are some of the possibilities that the Mepharshim explained. Right, they said that also if you have a pandemic, you should also start davening even on Shabbos. But Chachamim said, no, that you can't do. Shabbos is Shabbos, and we're not going to do that on Shabbos. Now, I'll call Tzarah Shalot, because when, when uh, Binyamin says the Mishaberach at Shomrei, he says, Shabbos We're always trying to finesse that, right? You're not doing Tzaka on Shabbos. So Shabbos Yimilizok, right? We're not, we don't do Za'aka on Shabbos. But you ask Hashem, you know, mm-hmm. can we bring a Rafua? You know, we, we try to get around it um, while still being able to ask for assistance on Shabbos. Okay, now, in addition, Right? For every calamity, we, we're going to be crying out. But... Excessive rain, we're not going to cry out for. What, what's the thing of Rosh, Rosh Gashamim? So Rashi explains. The, the Gashamim fell, they, it's fine. In other words, it's not going to, uh, be Makalkel the Tvua. It's just Torachem Levnei Adam. You know, there's a certain point, right, as Rashi says, of Al-Ainan Makalkel and Tvuas. Rashi's basically saying, this is really more of a hassle. Everything's muddy and it's not pleasant, but that's not, right, legitimate enough to cry out. We're still going to be, um, we're, we're going to allow that to happen. That's not, right, um, just because you want to be more comfortable, that's not a reason to, to get a, a whole school together and start to hit him. That is only in the case where it's really going to ruin the crops and affect people more Im- impactfully like that. And now the famous story of Choni Agel. Here we go with regards to d- davening for rain. Choni was a, it was called the circle maker. Was he already called the circle maker? Well, if he wasn't until now, he sure was after this story as follows. He's Palel Shir Dukashamim. People asked him, he was a big tzaddik. They want the tzaddik to daven that it should rain. It's the drought. So, so he is very confident. He said, because the Tanur Ipsachim, he's saying, go bring him out into the courtyard. Bring him out, uh, rather, take him out from the courtyard. In other words, had him rain for months. Those are made out of clay. If it rains, they get ruined. So everybody was putting all their electrical appliances, so to speak, outside because it wasn't going to rain anyway. It wasn't going to get ruined. So he was saying, I'm about to make it rain. You better bring in all your right perishables because it's, I'm about to make it rain. 
Bishvil Shaloyimoku, right? Bring, you could have to bring your Tanur Epsachim into the house in order so that they don't dissolve in the rain. So he's Palel Veloya Dugashamim. So then he davens. Sure enough, it does not yet rain. So Measa, Ag Uga, right? We call a cake a Uga, perhaps because it's circular in many cases. He drew a circle, is what an Uga is. The Amar Besocha, he stands inside the, the circle. The Amar Lefanov, and he said, Rebbe Shalom. Your children have turned to me. Because I'm like a Ben Bias by you. We're comfy with each other. So, uh, so I am making a swear. I'm not moving out of the circle until you answer them and bring rain. So a little bit of rain goes and trickles in response to this prayer. So Amar said, This was not what I asked for. I need a lot of rain. I'm not looking for a trickle. Right? We have to fill up the cisterns with water. We need drinking water and everything. So the rains start falling really, really strong. So Amar Lokach Shalti. Nope. Dial it back a little bit. I didn't say too little. I didn't say too much. I want just right. Right? Gishmi Ratzon. Goodwill. Blessing. Nadava. Benevolence. I need the right amount of rain. Yardu Kasiknan. So Hashem. So to speak, modulated the amount of rain, and now they fell a, a reasonable amount. This is a, um, it rained in a proper sort of pace, but so much so, uh, it's a question of where they went to Arabais, what was going on. Basically, they found higher ground. In other words, it was really filling up the cisterns everywhere, and they went and they took shelter in the Harabais. Can they take shelter in the Harabais? What does it really mean? It just means that it rained a tremendous amount and they found higher ground, so to speak, in order to stay dry. But the point is, Mipneha Geshamim, right? Because it rained so much. The story of Choni Amagel. So, Bova Amrlo, the people came to him and said, Geshem Shitpalat Alem Sheyerdu Kachit Palo Sheyelchulahem. Right? Because at that point it was too much. They wanted to go home. It's enough rain. So he says, they say, can you daven for it to stop now? So, Amrlahem, Tsuru Im Nimches Evanatoin. Go see if the Evanatoin had been wiped out. Rashi brings, explains that the Evanatoin. As we will see in Baba Mitzi and Elam Mitzias, that's the stone that everybody, as we might recall from uh, learning Elam Mitzias, where on the Regalim they would stand and call out the lost and found, right? Hashavas Aveda. So that's called the Evan Hatoim. So he's saying, go see if it's been either covered by the water, in which case I'll pray for the rains to, to cease, or maybe it was white, it's like rubbed out by the water, be that as it may. They went to check it out. Shalchul Shimon bin Shatach. And he said, Ilmani ata alecha nidu. He says, you know what? If you weren't the Tzadik Choni Amagel, I would have put you in Chayim already. Why? Because he's talking to Hashem disrespectfully. He's saying, you got to do this, Hashem. We're boys, so to speak, right? Kiviyachal, you have to do this. Oh, no, 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 a little more, a little less. How can you talk to Hashem like that? So, Hashem B'Shetach was not happy. Uh, he, he was kind of thrown off by the um, casual way with which Choni uh, talk to Hashem, but he said, listen, you're Choni, and it worked. So obviously Hashem doesn't have a problem with you the way that I do. To me, it seemed weird. He says, but what can I do to you? It sounds like you're misbehaving and being inappropriate, and yet he's listening to you. So obviously you're doing something right. Just like when you have children, that they're not necessarily treating their elders with the most respect, but yet the parents are parents, and so they treat them that way. It's about people like you, that, or you specifically, the Pasuk says, It says in Mishlei, may your parents rejoice, right, and be glad. So in other words, Hashem likes you, 
And so you can afford to be so casual with Hashem. Okay. Now, getting back to the idea of completing, this is what we were talking about before, the machlokas as to what happens if your prayers are answered mid-fast, right? So you started a series of fasts, but now it's starting to rain, right? By, by after Shachras, you come out of Shul, it's already raining. So what are you going to do? You're going to fast the whole day? So let's see. Says the Mishnah, you misanin vayodalem. Just like in the second parak, the third parak, it has like ten Mishnayos smushed together in the first Mishnah. Uh, why this is a structure of tightness, I don't know. Anyway, misanin vayodalem gishamim kodem aneitzachama. Right. So it's like here, you finished davening, and now it's going to be about to be neitzachama. And so lo yashlimu. You don't have to complete the fast because now you got the rain. But if after you actually move, right? Because already like you had a fast during the first day. So we don't have to worry. If it starts raining when we get out of shul, we can already not fast because the day didn't really start yet. But if, but if you go to the eight o'clock shomre and you come out and then it starts raining, you have to fast the whole day. What's the cutoff? Not Neitzachama, but Chatzos. So if you come out of the uh, 1130 or whatever, right? If you, uh, that's the cutoff for when you're going to complete the fast. Okay, Maisa Shagazer Tainus Belod. One time they made a Tainus in Lod. Okay. So the rains fell at like 11 o'clock in the morning. And he says, oh, you can make a Yantiv. We're very, you know, on the contrary, not going to fast. You're going to celebrate because we got the rain. Hashem answered our prayers. And sure enough, you don't have to ask him twice. Everybody went and made a big feast. Not only that, but they said Halal at Mincha that day. So they're following the sheet of Rabbi Yezer, right? And they are using Chatzos as the cutoff. And they're also saying Halal, probably not with a bracha, but I don't know. Right? In other words, you can't say Hashem commanded you to say Halal, but it's the Psukim of Halal and Tehillim. So now we say in the Gemara as follows. Say to Tanya, say Rishona. So we said in the Mishnah that the whole series of Tanya that we're talking about is the first train. However, Rimini, we have a Brysa that challenges this. Right? It sounds from the Brysa that it has to be a series of the first, second, and third rain. On the first rain, if it doesn't come, you start asking, and praying, and then the fasting doesn't kick in until the third rain. We already talked about the sequence. So what does it mean? It makes it sound like you're fasting even if you don't get the first rain. So it means the series of rains. That's going to be the answer. When do you have the sequence of Tainios? It just means when the rains come. In other words, when the, I'm sorry, the, the time that the rains are supposed to come past, right? The first, second, and third rain pass and rains have not fallen. But once you get rain on the first, right, um, time when it's supposed to rain, uh, and so people plant seeds, but they don't grow. Or because of the fact that there was no subsequent rain or for whatever other reason, it started to come out, but it looks off and weird and it's inedible. So in those weird situations, you give me Masrir Miyad. So there are scenarios where all you got was the Revere Rishona and you're still going to fast, right? So everything depends on the context. The bottom line is if you're in a situation where you're going to suffer um, because of whatever pattern of rain there is, then certainly are you going to start crying out. Amar of Nachman, Nishtanu, that this only means when they come out in some weird, inedible fashion, the crops, and you're really not going to be able to use them at all. But if they dried up, we don't cry out or fast. Because in other words, if the rains come, the crops come out, and now they're drying out. So just for drying out, you can't, 
so the truth is they can't really recover once they dry out, right? And so there, as Rashi points out, so you say drying out is, is inedible also. You can't, you know, you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. You can't revive that dried out uh, produce. So what are you going to do? Says the Rashi, the reason why you don't cry out in that situation is because it's a tefillah in vain. It would be like davening for a first lema for somebody who's already passed away. Says the Rashi, It's not going to help. Right? It's already a tefillah shav. And that's why you don't cry out. Wow. Says the Gemara, Pshita, Nishtanu Well, we, obviously, because the Mishnah says the words Nishtanu. So that's explicitly that if they're Nishtanu, maybe you could daven. There's still a hope that the rest of the crops are going to come out normal. But once they've all dried out, then you can't even daven for it anymore. To which the Gemara says, Lo It's necessary. Why? Because we have the following diuk, the akun, where the stalks grew, we said, somewhat after the, the crops. So the reason why we need to say it, in other words, it's not pushed. We say, what, why are you even pointing out this diuk of Yovish? It should be obvious. It's, it's not obvious. It's not so obvious because it could be that some crops dried out, but you're seeing little tiny grass grow around it. So maybe you have hope that something will grow. You might have thought that a little tiny stalks and weeds around these dried out fruit growing is a sign of hope. Kamash Milan, not. Kamash Milan, it's still hopeless. It doesn't show like anything. You got to come to Binyamin's garden and see what's going on there. Some, uh, are we ever going to get a salad out of that? Uh, his, his are good, but, but so hopefully that will not happen. But some of the stuff looks like really succulent. Some of it is just like, I don't know, what is that, right? A little stubble. So the stubble is not going to do anything, but the, the really grown, fully grown stuff, if it dries out, it's hopeless. Fine. Okay, next section of the Mishnah, talking about right? My makas What do you consider an actual like famine? It means it's called makas because it's an affliction that leads to a food shortage. So the shear, so to speak, is if you don't have any right produce from river to river. As we turn to your testament base at the hopeless time of six o five a.m. But sorsa, that's a food shortage. But if you have a whole region. That's called a famine. So Bitsaurus is a food shortage. A famine is a kafna. That's even worse. Right? Okay. Now we're talking about like, how are we going to know, right? What's the um, threshold? So when the money, as was in those days, the money would become devalued. Like let's say you have inflation. So there's a, a couple of ways Right, supply and demand, Andrew. There's a couple of ways that these shortages could, can manifest. Either your money is worthless, so you can't buy the crops, or you have, the money is okay and there's no inflation, but there are no crops to buy. Either way, as long as you're hungry, that's considered a famine. So let's say you have a sale of wheat for one sella, sella. So that is real inflation. Bitsorsa, that's considered a food shortage because there is. There is food available, but it's going to be expensive. That's the food shortage. But let's say it's inexpensive, so it's fine. However, there's no food, so that's kafna. That's a famine, right? So that's worse. If you have to buy it inexpensive, it's bad. But if you don't even have anything to buy, that's a famine. That's even worse. Right? Food shortage is when it's, again, the money is inexpensive. In other words, people have money. But the produce is very expensive. Of a most, be yoker, ferris, bazo. But let's say there is inflation because the economy is depressed. But 
if let's say the fruit itself is inexpensive, masrin alayim yad, we cry out immediately, right? Because again, fruit is relatively inexpensive, but you can't get any money, right? You're making $10 a month. So it doesn't matter that an apple is cheap because it's $3. You got no money. I remember when four sale sold for one seller. That's the normal price. But people were what? Bellies swollen from hunger in Tveria. Why? Because there was no money. In other words, with which to, to purchase the food. Right? So technically, it was... Uh, right, so there's different ways, uh, as we're saying now, that a, a depression can manifest. Either there's no resources, or there's inflation, or there's, the, there's not really inflation, but there's no money, right? There's different ways, uh, there's unemployment, right? Different ways that the depression can take place. If, uh, bottom line is, if you can't eat, so then that's considered uh, either a food shortage, or if you really can't eat, that it's a famine. Okay, so now the Gemara asks, Lola Elon. So we said, let's say you don't have, you have rain, right? So it's not just like, ah, you look out and you say, oh, it's a shear, we see rain, and therefore we're not going to dive in. No, the rain has to be impactful. It has to mean something. It has to finally result in the cisterns being filled in crops. Says the Gemara Bishlam, let's make Lola Elon, Razio. I can understand the crops being uh, watered and not the trees because you need more water for trees, right? So the Asanicha, the Razio. Rains came and they were light, but they weren't. Right, heavy. So that was not enough for the Elon. The Gemara is assuming that if heavy rains come, then it waters the trees, but somehow bypasses the crops. Okay. However, but if you have light rains and heavy rains, you could still have a situation where it's not enough to fill the cisterns, and therefore you don't have the drinking water. Because a lot, because some came, some rain came, some light, some heavy, but not. Enough to fill up the cisterns. Where do you have a case where you're filling up the cisterns, but it's not enough to water the fields and the, and the trees? That's impossible. Once you have, by definition, enough for the cisterns, then it should be enough for the trees and the crops. Says the Gemara. Yeah, it means that it rained too much. It rained so much that the cisterns are full, but you sort of flooded the crops and the trees. That also is no good. So now we're four lines down in the wide New Testament base. Tanur Rabbanon. We cry on the trees. What is it? If you haven't received enough water by Pesach, so certain um, thresholds for when you expect certain things. So the Ilanos you want by Pesach time. The cisterns you want by Chag, which is Sukkot time. Right, and all of them, if you don't have enough water to drink, you're going to cry it right away because you're thirsty, you need water, you need to drink. How do you determine Miyad, right? You can't be that guy that you've been at work for three hours and it's your first day at work and you come into the, you storm into the boss's office and you, and you say, I demand a raise. I've been here for three full hours. You know, there's a certain um, criteria for when it's considered miyad. miyad, Right? If, you, if you're thirsty for a week, that's a lot for a full cycle of bahab. But we cry out only on account of within that, what? Country. Right? And, okay, so that's the first thing. In other words, the drought 
is country specific. You know, if there's a drought in India, you're not necessarily going to cry out here in America. But if there's one in America, you're not going to, you are going to, right? The Ascara, what about that dangerous disease of Ascara that we talked about? It's contagious. What about pandemics? When are you going to cry out then? So, well, if we see a mortality rate, you're going to be davening. But if you find out that there's some new variant, but people are not actually ending up with a mortality rate, so then you're not going to cry out on that account. You're just going to have to be careful. But on Govai locusts, once they're amount, somewhere in the slightest amount, you better start praying. Not just the Govai version of locusts, but even the Chagav variant is a problem. Once you see a bunch of them, you know that they're coming for you as well. Another brisa about delayed rain. During the other years of the Shemitah cycle, and also on the cisterns, right? So in other words, like this, on Shavuos, right, what do we do? Dafiomi uh, coincidence. What do you do on Shemitah year? So in Shemitah year, you're not supposed to care about the crops. They're not even yours, they have care. So are you going to do this type of davening for the crops? So the, right, Tanakam says No. Of course, you still need to drink water, so you can daven for the Boris Shechad Ma'aras, Afila Bishvias, even on a Shemitir. However, Rashim Gamlil Omer, Afala Ilonos Bishvias. Also on the Ilonos, you could daven on Shvias. Why? Right? It's not like nobody eats that. Aside from, you know, the oats and and all that other stuff, the Anim are going to be eating out of those trees, so you could daven on their behalf. And Tanya Idach, this is taught similarly in another Bryce of Masrina, Lailanos, Bishar Shneer Shavua, other years of the Shemitah cycle, you daven for the trees, Alaboris, Rasichan Amaras, Afilu Bishvias. And as we said, right, obviously you need the drinking water even on Shemitah year. That even on the Ilanos and even on the Sfichin, on the vegetables, you have to daven. Why? Because that's where the Anim get their food. More braces. Tanya. You know, rains used to fall more predictably. Ever since the base of Mikdash was destroyed, maybe rebuilt, ever since I was destroyed, the, the rains have been unpredictable. It's been harder to be a weatherman. Weather person. In some years you have a lot of rain, some years not a lot. Sometimes it's, the book, it's a good appropriate time, sometimes not. So when you get rain in the proper time, it's great. What's it like? It's like when you get paid on Sunday. Well, that gives you enough time to buy your resources for the whole week. You have enough resources to properly bake and prepare all your food and eat it. However, when the rains are not falling out in the proper time, what is it like? Right, You get it in the final hour, right before Shabbos, you get paid. What are you supposed to do with that? Right, you're not getting anything at its proper time. So now the dough, everything is not as it should be because you do not have enough time to prepare with your resources. Another analogy, when you have a lot of rain, what is it similar to? It's like getting the advance. When you get an advance, whenever you use, what's the rechaim? It's the millstones. Whenever you grind with the millstone, there's always... Um, some res- residue that you're going to lose, right? It's the p- cost of doing business. So let's say you're renting out the millstone for 100 bucks an hour. So if you have a whole core, it, that's, it doesn't take more than an hour. So you spend the 100 bucks, but you're getting the full core. The same amount that you would grind from a kav. 
In other words, that loss, let's say that you paid, the rental, it could be for the entire amount. However, if you're getting paid piecemeal, you still need to use the millstone, but every time you're renting it for 100 an hour, it's not as efficient. In other words, it's costing you more to grind the same amount of grain. That's what it means. In other words, as a result, you're going to consume as much from a core as from a kav. However, but if you don't have a lot of rain, what's it like? You're getting it little by little, the, the, the salary. It means that just that the same amount of dough, right, consumed by a core is the same amount that's consumed by, by a kav. In other words, again, that single loss that you're going to, really it's a loss of the amount of grain that falls off. But we're, in order to give the uh, analogy, we're illustrating it by saying, like, let's say you have a rental fee for the grinding machine. So that rental fee is going to be the same, regardless of whether you get a core or a cav, and therefore it's, you're better off getting a larger amount because it's going to be a more efficient use of your resources. Or davar acher, bismanshak shem rubin lamau dome. Or similarly, if you get a lot of rain, what's it similar to? If you are kneading clay and you have a lot of water, so the clay is going to be kneaded nicely. You have the nice water to right clay ratio. And you're getting a nice right dough. If you only have a little water, the water is going to be used up before you get to really get that water in there. And you're going to be with very, very dusty um Left with very dusty clay. So we will pick up here. Where are we? We're, we're approximately nine lines up from the bottom of your test. Amud Bays. Happy Hanukkah.